the Lord. Well, we're going to make our confession, and then um, we have a great word from the Lord, I believe, today. Um, God's going to set a lot of people free today. But we have to get in agreement with God, amen? And so we get in agreement with the word. You don't have to get in agreement with me or your neighbor. You have to get in agreement with God first above all things. So let's say this. The word of God is truth. If I live the word, I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Amen. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Well, God made it simple, but how do you know? How many of you know it can get complicated when you try to live the Word of God? Because there's opportunities, there's things that come against our lives. And um, we've been doing a series here in the church called In Over My Head. How many of you have ever felt like I'm in way over my head? <laughs> some of you may feel like I'm in just a little, but some of you are way over your head. That means you need a miracle, you need God's possibilities to fix or to add to your life whatever you need. And I believe God has it for you. I believe there's things we're asked to do. And we talked about in the first of this series about go after it. Everybody say go after it. You know, some things we can't just stand and wait for them to happen. God says, you go and possess it. And that's what he told Joshua. You know, Moses didn't uh, take the children of Israel into the promised land, but Joshua did. And when they got ready to go in chapter 3 of Joshua, he said to him, now you're going to go where you have never been before. I don't know about you, but all my life uh, I've been going where I've never been before. You know, tomorrow I haven't been there before. Is that for you too? You know, I woke up this morning. I've never been through this day before. So we're always going um, after things that where we've never been before. Maybe we've never experienced what we're going to experience today. But with Jesus, everybody say with Jesus, all things are possible. And that means that we can have the victory even when we don't know where we're going as long as just what he told Joshua we keep our focus on Jesus and say this I will focus on Jesus you know in this church we have you repeat things because things you hear get in you and they'll come back and help you in your day of opportunity I don't know about you but there's many times things come back that I've heard other people preach things I've even preached myself that come back to encourage me they rise up out of the inside of me so that's why we have you speak those things but Joshua went after the ark the ark in his day represented the presence of God represented who God was and so God told him you know that ark will always be out in front of you stay back far enough that you can see that ark and today we have to stay in a position where we're always following Jesus we're not trying to make away ourselves we're not trying to get ahead of what God has said, maybe trying to make it happen in our own time. But we have to keep that ark out in front of us or keep for us the focus on Jesus. And then last week we talked about who me. Turn to your neighbor and say, who me? <laughs> you know, God calls people that look the least qualified maybe to do something. Maybe someone that a man wouldn't even think to call on, God calls on. And, uh, and we talked about Moses, and of course he had all kinds of excuses. But uh, I was over in Blaze, it was last Wednesday night, and uh, Pat Egan was sharing during the offering. And the, the message that he shared was really uh, just a manifestation of all the messages that God's been sharing with us for about the last two months. How many of you remember something good is going to happen to you? And, uh, you know, I remember Pat had been in the office, oh, it's been quite a while now, but he said, you know, I love my job. 
I get up every day, and I'm excited to go to work. It's, it's just everything that I studied for, my experience. And uh, he said, it's just great to be able to get up in the morning and go where you like to go. How many of you think that'd be just great? <laughs> you may not be in that position today, but God can get you there. And then he, uh, when I was hearing him in place, well, God did a little bit of a different thing with him after he got in that place. And so I've asked him to come and share with you today because I think it's important that you understand you have to follow Jesus and you can't look at yourself. Yeah, so I got this job. I went to school. I uh, did online classes uh, for two years through Ivy Tech. And uh, just basically got this job doing um, glorified data entry, if you will, for <laughs> some supply chain work services at my job. And uh, about three and a half weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago, my boss came up to me and told me that uh, you're going to do a different job, and uh, you're going to do this job. And this job required to be a manufacturing engineer, and I'm only a manufacturing grad with two years. So I'm like, okay, wait a minute. I'm not an engineer. I've just got two years. So there's two years of school missing there. So he goes, well, you put manufacturing engineer in your title of your uh, of your email because that's what you are now. So And I told God, I said, okay. Okay, God, I know this is you, but I don't feel qualified to do this job. And, uh, you know, things went from being my plus job to listen to my headphones and some music and uh, do my easy job, my very comfortable job, to my very uncomfortable job doing things I've never done and things like that and just like that suddenly. Um, so I sat and I asked God, okay, I know this is you, God, so what's next? And he, he said, well... I just need you to get up every morning and ask the Holy Spirit what is need done for that day. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about next week. You just be led by me. Uh, and then the person that I'm working with is actually the manufacturing engineer, um, younger guy. Uh, he's younger than me, um, diagnosed with cancer. Um, so he's, uh, you know, he's, he's in the office doing what he can. Um, but eventually I'm going to have to take over for him. So... Uh, so basically, I, I feel like God told me that I'm there in this office right now to do this new job and to be the guy right next to him because he's my cubicle right next to me and to pray for him every day and to lay my hands on him every day and to do this new job at the same time. So uh, that was basically what God told me. And then I was, okay, so we're going to do this every day. And uh, he, then he gave me a word uh, last night when I was praying. Uh, it's kind of like a metaphor I used in the first service that, you know, when you're a kid and you know how to swim, but you're not ready to get in the uh, deep end yet. Well, and if you're, if, you know, you, you, everybody's got that one family member that, well, need to say I got pushed in. The, you know, you ever been pushed in the deep end? You weren't ready. <laughs> and you're sitting there and you're, and you're panicking. <laughs> You know you can swim, but you like you forgot. Your, your mind just went blank, you know what I mean? Well, God gave me that metaphor and said, you're either going to sink with the flesh or you're going to swim to the other side with the Holy Spirit. So take that word and, and, and ingest it. And I also, uh, earlier I, I had a Bible verse I forgot to read. Can I do that? John chapter 16, verse 13. And it reads, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, uh, all truth. The word, the, he'll never lead you astray. It'll be all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you of things he has heard. He will tell you about the future. So 
just, you know, you get up, you don't know what to do that day, you feel like you're in over your head, like Pastor Pam's been talking about, read that scripture every day and ask the Holy Spirit for guidance, yeah. and he'll give it to you, regardless of where you're at. Amen. Amen. And give Pat a hand. <laughs> well, you know, um, it, it wasn't his boss, I believe, that had that idea. I believe God did. And God saw that there was someone else in addition to him that could benefit from him being where he needed to be. You know, God always cares about people. God's number one priority is people. That's why Jesus came. And so um, we were talking earlier, uh, Pat and I, that, you know, there's always going to be people who don't think that was such a good idea. You know, you're in a company like maybe where I'm not saying this is where he is, but I know this happens to people and somebody gets promoted above somebody who's been there a long time. And, uh, and everybody begins to say how they're not qualified. God qualifies us. God qualifies us. We just obey whatever God says. And when we get in that place, God will take care of it. So I'm looking forward to seeing what all uh, Pat may get done because God's already called him a mechanical engineer. He just thought he was a mechanical less than an engineer because he had two years left training. But see, his qualification comes from God. He's faithful. He's obedient. He comes to work every day just like when he went to school and he didn't want to go, but he did it anyway. I mean, you have to get online and do things and leave his family and to work a job he did all those things so god qualified him for that position even though the title doesn't match man's earned degree everybody say that's good news you may be here today and say you know i'm not ever going to get to ever be anything because i don't have a degree god will give you the degree you need to do what he's called you to do. So today, we're going to talk about that. What do you see? You know, last week we talked about who me. This week, what do you see? And so if you'll put up that first scripture for me in Second Kings, we're going to be talking about Elisha, who was a prophet. And um, he ended up in situations where he had knowledge of things that nobody else had except his enemies. And so it says when the king of Aram was at war with Israel, he would confer with his officers and say, we will mobilize our forces at such and such a place. But immediately Elisha, the man of God, would warn the king of Israel. Do not go near that place, for the Armenians are planning to mobilize their troops there, just like the Holy Spirit can mobilize us to do and go and be where we're supposed to be. This prophet is telling the king of Israel, your enemy is going to do this, this, and this. So the king of Israel would send word to the place indicating, indicated by the man of God. And time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he would be on the alert there. And then it says the king of Aram became very upset over this. He called his officers together and demanded, which of you is a traitor? who has been informing the king of Israel of my plans. This is very good. Next, this verse. It's not us, my lord, the king. One of the officers replied, Elisha, the prophet in Israel, tells the king of Israel even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. Everybody say, uh-oh. <laughs> you know, the Holy Spirit knows what's going on in your house, in other people's houses, in other situations, in circumstances that you don't even know about. Go and find out where he is, the king commanded, so I can send troops to seize him. And the report came back, Elisha is at Dothan. Then one night, the king of Aram sent to the great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God, now this isn't Elisha, it's his servant, got up early the next morning and went outside there 
were troops, horses, chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Don't be afraid. That was what the prophet said to him. Everybody say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Well, the story goes on and says, the Lord opened the eyes of the servant and he saw. He saw all these multitudes of forces that were for them. And what he could see with his natural eyes was only the enemy. But what God showed him was who he was with God. And we talked last week about Moses, you know, the only thing the Lord would say to him when he encountered that opportunity with the burning bush and God called him to be the deliverer of of Israel out of Egypt, all God would say was, I will be with you. Tell them I am sent you. In other words, everything was about who God was, not about who Moses was. And if you look at Gideon's life, uh, many of you probably know the story of Gideon. He was he was hiding uh, in wine press, afraid of the Midianites, afraid of of what they might do to him, and uh, and and all of Israel because they had done things to their crops, had come against them in many ways, and so he's hiding. But God comes looking for him, and if you'll put that scripture up in Judges 6. This is what God says to to him in his place of hiding. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, mighty hero. How many of you that might not look like a hero if you're hiding in a wine press, scared of everything that's going to happen to you? Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Again, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. In other words, he was looking at people. Everybody say people. You know, today we're going to talk about that, looking at people. Uh, What do you see? Do you see the Lord or do you see uh, people? People that maybe the enemy is using to stop you from what God has called you to be. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. Well, it goes on to say, you know, that Gideon said, well, I'm the weakest uh, of all. Our clan is weak. I mean, we are really nothing. I don't see how I could do this. But God did not listen to those excuses. He continued to say through that angel, I will be with you. Everybody say, God with us. And so the Holy Spirit is with us everywhere that we go. So the same thing, when any enemy comes against us and says something, we need to remember, this isn't about us, it's who's with us. It's because God is with me that I'll be able to do this. And if you look at verses in Judges 7, 9, 10, and 13, and 15, it says that um, God spoke to him because Gideon, even though he was willing to do what God said, God took his army clear down to just a few. You know, when God's getting ready to do something, he's the one that's going to get the glory. And oftentimes he will separate us from people that can't go where we're going. Do you remember that story? The ones that lapped the water a certain way, he removed them and he only got to take the people that God knew would be able to support him in what he was going to do. But, you know, when we're afraid, I believe God has mercy sometimes and lets us know, let me show you what the enemy really thinks of you. And our enemy, of course, it's never people. Say, my enemy is never a person. 
The Bible says in Ephesians 6, 10 and all the way to 18 that our fight or our enemy, that would be powers and principalities that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. It's never people. But I have found this. Those enemies have feet, legs, hands, faces. They look a lot like you and me. Amen. That's the way the enemy comes. He, he comes against us through people. Just like God sends us to help people, the enemy uses people to come against the things of God. So that night, the Lord said, this is to Gideon, get up, go down to the Midianite camp, for I have given you victory over them. I'm sure that was a little intimidating, but it says, if you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Purah. So they sneak into the camp of the enemy. In verse 13, Gideon crept up just as a man was telling his companion. Now, this is his enemy about a dream. And the man said, I have this dream and in my dream, a loaf of barley bread. Now, that's not much. Just a loaf of bread rolled into the camp. And he says it tumbled into the camp. It hit a tent, turned it over and knocked it flat. His companion answered, your dream can mean only one thing. God has given Gideon, the son of Joash, the Israelite, victory over Midian and all its allies. Well, that gave him courage. He jumps up. He heard the dream and its interpretation. He bowed down and worshiped before the Lord. And then he returned to Israeli camp and shouted, get up, get up. In other words, I've, I've, I'm now brave. When I went into the enemy camp, I was fearful. I came out of the enemy's camp. I heard what the enemy knows. Everybody say, the enemy knows. This is important. Get up, for the Lord has given you victory over the Midianite hordes. If you look at Jesus' life, oftentimes the devil would say, why are you messing with us? We know who you are. Everybody say, the enemy. Now, it wasn't, you know, a guy with a tail and a pitchfork in a red costume. It wasn't something like we see the devil. It was a person that would rise up, but it was a person who had demonic influence in their life. You know, all of us are subject to the enemy using us at the most unlikely times, and sometimes we don't even know we're being used. You know, I have had in my past, and I'm sure you have, people that say something, and it's like a, I call it a zinger. You know, it just in there and it's like oh you know you become all unsteady and it just about knocks you over the devil uses things that people say things that people do to stop us from the plan of God we have to know that God is with us and if you look at Mark 5 7 you know when Jesus encountered the demoniac uh, when he came up against that man, and this was a man nobody could control, he was he was evil. He he would strip down all of his clothes, run naked, and and just do all kinds of things. Nobody could control him. But when they saw Jesus, when he saw Jesus, this is what it says: with a sh- shriek, he screamed. Everybody say a person. This wasn't the devil in the, but it was the devil using this man, tormenting this man. And he says, why are you interfering with me? Jesus, the son of the most high God in the name of God, I beg you don't torture me. Do you know the name of Jesus tortures the devil? You want to get the devil up all stirred up? Just, just start hollering Jesus, Jesus. And it tortures him. It, it causes him to want to run away. How many of you want the devil out of your life? Well, then don't stand around talking about how he's attacking your life. Begin to say the name of 
Jesus. And the name of Jesus has power over the works of the enemy. So when we encounter people who seem to be the opportunity that's coming against us, we have to be able to see. We need our eyes opened. Just like Elijah said, open my servant's eyes so he can see what's going on. If you could see right now, there's warfare in the heavenlies and there's demonic spirits and there's angelic spirits and there's warfare and we make the decision what we're going to see. We need to see the angelic forces overcoming the evil forces and what that means is it gives us boldness to speak the name. Everybody say speak the name. You know, Jesus came to give us authority. He died on that cross for a purpose and and uh, I was looking in Mark 11, you know, when Jesus uh, came into Jerusalem, he was coming on purpose to die. I mean, he knew he was going to die. Uh, next week, we'll talk more about that. But, you know, he, he, he wasn't uh, shrinking back. He didn't turn back. He was going to where he knew he would be crucified. And everything that was necessary along the way God had already prepared. And I love this story. It says, as Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the towns of Bethage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives. And Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them. As soon as you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, what are you doing? Just say, the Lord needs it and will return it soon. Now, don't you just suppose somebody pulls up in your driveway and says, hey, I need your car. Just give me the keys. And now we're going to take it. You've never seen him before. And they say, but we'll be right back. We'll bring it back. How many are you going to believe that story? You know, and, and who are you to take my car? But. God had already prepared the way. Everybody say, prepared the way. And this was the key. The two disciples left and found the colt standing in the street, tied outside the front door. As they were untying it, some bystander, people, everybody say people, demanded, what are you doing untying that colt? They said what Jesus had told them to say. Everybody say, always say, what Jesus says. See, some people would start making excuses. Well, listen, we're, really, we're not trying to steal your coat and just get in all this story. It'd probably be a woman more than a man. But, you know, it's trying to explain it, make it be okay. You're not going to make it be okay. If Jesus said it, just do it and it'll work. Amen? It's all done. Jesus had told them to say, and they were permitted to take it. There's another story over in Luke, uh, you know, that he was actually coming into Jerusalem and this was the time of Passover. And so it says, now the festival of unleavened bread arrived when the Passover lamb is sacrificed. And Jesus sent Peter and John ahead and said, go and prepare the Passover meal so we can eat it together. Now you remember Jesus has no home. You know, he even said, I have no place that I call home, but it, this is a place that's been pre prepared. Everybody say prepared. How's it being prepared? I don't know, but God did it. Where do you want us to prepare it? They asked him. And his, this was his answer. As soon as you enter Jerusalem, um, <clears throat> excuse me, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him at the house. He enters say to the owner, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? 
He will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up. That is where you should prepare our meal. Isn't that amazing? You just go into town, and then you go to this place, and then when you get in there, you just say to the guy, hey, where are we supposed to have dinner? And he says, oh, well, let me show you upstairs in this room. This is not anything that maybe Jesus even told them that he knew about, but they did it. Everybody say they did it. They did exactly what Jesus said. The results, they had this Passover meal. Now, in the, just that same chapter, in verses 33 and 35, Jesus encountered what a lot of people encounter. And uh, it says, that Peter declared, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. Jesus had told them, somebody at this table is going to betray me. Everybody say Betrayal. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times that you even deny three times that you even know me. No, Peter insisted. You know, Peter always had an answer. Even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples vowed the same. You know, in life, um, when you get busy doing the things that God wants you to do, there's going to be people who are not going to agree with you. There's the people that from the beginning may not agree with you, friends, relatives, uh, sometimes people's greatest enemies are their relatives, you know, uh, people who get them involved in things that they're doing that nobody should be doing. And so just because they're in a family, they end up doing things they should never do. And uh, they, they just say, well, you know, my whole family's been like this. We've always been like this. Uh, you know, like we just, this is just what we do. Uh, you know, we don't have a lot, but this is just what we do. We, we are not qualified to do a lot, but this is just what we do. And they intend for everybody in that family to stay in that position all their life. But God sometimes is ready to take somebody out of that family and begin to put them in a position where someday they will be the deliverer of their family. Are you getting this? Here comes the opposition. Here comes the what looks like betrayal. Everybody say betrayal. And, you know, there's nothing more hurtful than someone that's close to you doing something that causes you to realize they're not really with you. Have you ever been in that position? There are now there are seasons, you know, in life where people start with us. I remember, you know, when we were in Tulsa, we were out there with no family. We had lots of friends that became family. But when we moved back here, uh, they didn't come with us. And, you know, we it was hard to leave them because we love them. But God was asking us to go and do other things. Now, uh, there were three gals in that church that ended up coming with us to help us. But uh, the rest of those people that we love very much that even my husband had said, we're going to stay here till Jesus comes. You know, uh, he didn't even want to come back to Lafayette in the beginning. So, you know, there's times where there's seasons where people are in your life and then they're not in there anymore. But if you're not willing to let them go, everybody say let them go, then you're not going to be able to go where you're supposed to go. And the bad news is neither will they. 
you'll get stuck. Everybody say stuck. And so, you know, there's friendships that you have, and then you move on, and there's different friends that come into your life. Do, do you have to be upset with people that it looks like, you know, they're going one way and you're going to another? Everybody say no. That's why you have to be able to understand we have to walk in forgiveness. Our emotions may be troubled by it, but it's a plan of God for them and for us. But, you know, there are those times where people who have been walking with you, and you're usually the closest people to you, uh, they begin to do things that make you realize they're not with you. Or you hear that, you know, they're saying one thing to you, but then you hear what they're saying to all these other people. Everybody say strife. strife. See, envy, jealousy, those things cause strife and there has to be separation everybody say separation now you know i've never been very good at this but i know it's true if you're going to go to another level with the lord you have to be willing to separate from the things that are causing you to not go forward uh and those are usually people and the enemy will use people that you love he'll bring he'll bring confusion see when it once sin enters in in any form then confusion and every evil work comes it's in james 3 and uh, i want to read you a scripture uh years ago we were in an office in tulsa and and i wondered why this man was he just always seemed so uh bitter and and he would he would kind of be mean sometimes and I don't like mean people. I remember I worked with this man for a while, and one time he told me to do something, and I tried, and I couldn't do it. So I, I rang in on the phone and said, I, I can't reach them. And he screamed from his office, there's nobody in this world that somebody cannot find, so find them. I thought, well, you're about to find out a few things. No. <laughs> I was too chicken to do that. But I thought, well, what happened to him? You know, why is he talking to me like that? And the Lord said to me, because he's been betrayed by a friend, somebody close. It is not an enemy who taunts me. I could bear that. This is Psalm 55, 12. It is not my foes who so arrogantly insult me. I could have hidden from them. Instead, it is you, my equal. Someone that you're walking right with, my companion and close friend. What good fellowship we once enjoyed, and as we walked together to the house of the Lord. In other words, it's somebody that you were in fellowship with as Christians. I'm telling you, that's probably the most hurtful of all. Because you think, how could a Christian do that? How many of you have ever had that thought? Well, they can because they're just like you and me. We're human. There's weaknesses. We talked about that last week. And those weaknesses, the enemy knows about, and that's where he's going to come. And then he brings division. Uh, I had a friend tell me once, because I was just, I just couldn't understand why this one situation happened. I, I really struggled with it. And the person said to me, uh, this is not your problem. Unresolved issues in someone's life, if they're not fixed, will come up. And when they come up, They'll bring strife and every evil work until they're dealt with. Everybody say dealt with. And once they're dealt with, then that person go on. But if they won't deal with it, they're stuck. And so you can't be stuck with them. You've got to move on 
to what God has for you. Otherwise, you will never accomplish what God has for you. And that can be a friend, a relative. You know, I remember when God took me to Tulsa and he separated me from all my family. It was really a hard thing for me to do. I was a single mom with three children and he moved me to Tulsa by myself. But he said, when I was out there, after I got there, he said, what what I'm doing in you, one day you will go back and help them. You know how Joseph was separated from all his family and he even ended up in a prison. He ended up in hard places, but those places were so he could be a deliverer at the time he needed to be for his family. You know, sometimes you're walking with somebody and God will say you need to separate. And you think, but I don't want to separate from them. But what God's going to do is he's going to do something in them and something in you. And down the road, you're going to be in the position to be what God called you to be, to not only help them, but to help many other people as well. But if we're not willing, everybody say willing, willing, to separate ourselves and see what God sees. Everybody say, see what God sees. We won't see it in the natural. And um, I heard Joel Osteen, he was teaching on this, and he said, you know, if, if the person that God calls you to separate from really loves you and you love them, you know, and there's not a strifeful situation, you just know you have to separate, they will understand and it will be peaceful. But if there's things going on behind the scenes, everybody say behind the scenes, that we don't know about. And now I've experienced this, where God would show me things that were being said that were like in somebody's bedroom. They weren't in a bedroom, but they were in a room, and he showed me exactly where it was. And they were being said, and I knew they were being said, but when I asked, it was like, no, that wasn't being said. But that was being said, and it manifested. Everybody say it manifested. And when it manifested... God said, I told you that a long time ago. But what I was not doing was taking charge in that situation because I didn't want anybody to get upset. Everybody say, don't worry about it. Because it won't help them and it won't help you. Confrontation is not my forte, but it is God's. God confronts things to bring people out of darkness into the light. And if we're not willing to do that in a situation, oftentimes we will continue to be pulled down, pulled down, pulled down. And so uh, when I heard uh, Joel say that this morning, he was talking about, actually he was talking about getting right people in your life. Have the right people in your life. Be surrounded by the people that are really for you. And if you know they're not, you don't have to get rid of them maybe in your life, but you just don't hang out with them every day. You hang out with other people that you know are for you. And you know are walking, we called it in also like faith everybody say like faith people who are going to be in a, able to be in agreement with you and they're actually going to pull you up and the ones you're bringing with you you're going to help and so everybody's going to a higher level and everybody's excited about what everybody else is getting to do yeah. amen yeah. and so you're looking for the good in that person and not the other things that you can see so when you're in over your head you have to see what god sees and if you don't see it, then you're going to be hanging with people that are going to continually pull you back to where you used to be instead of where you need to be. And I want you to watch this video. I saw this one morning, and I wanted to show it to you because I thought, well, this is exactly the message that I'm sharing. And it's very, it's just a very good example. Let's watch this. It was done with four monkeys. They placed them in a room with a large pole in the center. The top of the pole was a bunch of bananas. The first monkey hurried up the pole, so excited, couldn't wait to get a banana. But just when he was about to reach for one, 
a large bucket of cold water was poured on him. He scurried down that pole as fast as he could. He didn't want to have anything to do with those bananas. A few minutes, the second monkey went up. Same thing happened. Poured the cold water on him. He turned around and ran back. Over the next hour, the other two monkeys went up, but once again, they were doused with water, came running back down. Day after day went by. Even though those monkeys loved bananas, they wouldn't dare go up that pole. At that point, the researchers removed one monkey and brought a new monkey in. This new monkey started going up the pole. When he did, the other three monkeys grabbed him, pulled him down, wouldn't let him go up. He tried again and again and again. They wouldn't let him. Finally, he gave up. Quit trying. Researchers brought in another monkey, removed an original. Same thing. When he went up, the three other monkeys grabbed him. Eventually, the room was filled with dozens of monkeys, none of them the original. None of them had felt the dousing of water, but not one of them would go up that pole. They didn't know why. They just knew they couldn't have those bananas. <laughs> Sometimes, we're like these monkeys. We don't know why we can't do something great, why we can't accomplish a dream, why we can't break an addiction. All we know is nobody in our family has done it. Now they're pulling us down telling us how we can't be successful, throwing water on our passion. Generation after generation, being limited, pulled down because of wrong thinking. My message today is very simple. Go get your bananas. <laughs> Somebody here told you you can't do it. Nobody in your family did it. Daddy didn't do it. Granddaddy didn't do it. Great granddaddy didn't do it. That's okay. This is a new day. You're the difference maker. Rise up and go get what belongs to you. Quit letting people pull you down. Your friends, your relatives, your co-workers, they may mean well, but God didn't put the dream in them. He put the dream in you. Don't let them talk you out of it. Don't settle where you are because everybody around you is stuck. Go get your bananas. Give me one while you're there. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, give God a hand. Stand up with me this morning. I believe God is ready for us to go get bananas, whatever that is for you. But uh, when I heard that message, it's, it's a great message on getting right people in your life. Uh, when you're in over your head, uh, and once again, see, it's powers and principalities that we're resisting, but they have arms and legs and mouths and feet. And they, they have opportunities in their life, maybe, that when they see things, they see it through that filter that they got going on in their life. So when they say things, it's, it's going to come out wrong against you, and it's going to cause you to want to shrink back. You know, I like the story of Elisha because in the end of that story, um, when the enemy was out there, it, it's, Elisha asked the Lord, blind their eyes, just blind them. And he did. And then he said that... He made them all follow him into a city. He said, now open their eyes. And so God opened their eyes. And, you know, he fed his enemies. And this one person, servant, said to him, well, uh, aren't we going to make them prisoners of war? Oh, he said, no, no. We're just going to feed them, and we're just going to send them back out there. You know, we can't hold people to us that do wrong to us. We have to let them go. And if we don't let them go, then we will be being pulled down that pole every time we try to go up. We never will get a banana. And the sad thing is they won't either. None of those monkeys got a banana because of one monkey that got 
water poured on him. That can happen in your life. That can be a family line that we call cursed when it's just simply this. Somebody needs to rise up and say enough. I'm stopping this in my family. It's not going to be like this anymore. I'm going to be the one who goes and gets a banana, water or no water. Amen. Would you bow your heads? Father, I thank you today for every person here. Thank you for the lives that are represented here. Not just the lives that are standing here, but the lives of friends, family, coworkers, people that were around that have influence on our life and can say things and, and do things that would cause us to, to be uh, fearful and want to pull back and not be where we're supposed to be. I bind that fear today in Jesus' name. I take authority over it. You may be here today and you, you've never really given Jesus an opportunity in your life to make a difference. I promise you today, if you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you get your focus on Jesus, you go after him with all your heart, then everything that God has planned for your life is possible. Because he will be with you, he will help you, and you can do what God has called you to do. And if you're here this morning and you came to this service and, you know, you don't have an assurance in your heart that if you died, your, your eyes would open immediately and you would be in the presence of God. Then today, the Bible says, if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, that we will be saved, saved from destruction, saved from a destiny of hell, and we will have a forever covenant with God that we will live in the presence of God for all of eternity. And if that's you and you say, I, I want to make that decision today, I, I need to make that decision today. Maybe you don't even know what's wrong in your life and don't even know what you need. But you just know you need something to help you get out of the place that you're in. Well, Jesus is that answer. If that's you, would you just lift your hand? And we want to pray with you today. If there's anybody, I see your hand over here. Anybody else that maybe you knew the Lord and you kind of walked away and you say, you know what? I don't know where I'm at now, but I know I need to get back to Jesus like we talked about earlier when Kelly was speaking earlier. You just know you need to run to Jesus. If that's you, would you lift your hand? I want to see your hands. Yeah, I see your hands. Would all of you who've got your hand up just come down here with me? Just come right down here with me. Give them a hand, everybody. Come on down here with me. 